Welcome back to another episode of the Life Tastic Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And your co-host, Stephanie. We have a great show for you. We got something for the lovebirds out there. We'll be discussing the 10 creepiest love songs of all time. We'll also bring you guys another episode of the What It Is segment. And today, we'll be introducing a hilarious segment that we like to call Get It Together. Don't forget to reach out to us at lifetastic.us for any insight on the show. Got a show idea or some feedback on a topic we've talked about? Feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. And now, let's get started. Whether or not you're a fan of love songs, there's no denying their popularity. Over the last half century, love songs account for 60-65% to of new popular music. Most of us have reasons for hating a particular love song, and vice versa. Regardless of personal connection with any specific piece, most agree that sometimes a love song goes wrong and becomes creepy. In some cases, it's only years later that we realize precisely how cringeworthy the lyrics of a song are. We are left wondering what was going on in the mind of the lyricist or that songwriter. Whether they are misunderstood or genuinely sick, we may never know. Their work, however, will live on as we present to you the 10 creepiest love songs of all time, brought to you once again by Listverse.com. Number 10. Every Breath You Take by The Police, 1983. The Police were one of the most famous rock bands of the 1980s. Led by frontman Sting, they produced five albums over nine years, winning countless awards. From their Synchronicity album, written by Sting, Every Breath You Take was by far the most popular song of 1983, topping the U.S. Top 100 for eight weeks. Rolling Stone's Critics and Readers poll voted it the 1983 Song of the Year. Some people even used it as their wedding song. However, the song is creepy if you really pay attention to the lyrics. It is painly about a stalker who will not be deterred from his prey at any cost. With lyrics like, every step you take, I'll be watching you, every single day and every word you say, kind of makes you wonder why it was so popular. The story it tells is about an obsessive stalker. Sting wrote it after separating from his first wife, which makes it more disturbing. And at number 9, we got a song called He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss by The Crystals in 1962. Like bitches are crazy. The Crystals are considered one of the defining acts of the girl group era in the first half of the 1960s. The group created many chart toppers including Doo Doo Run Run and Then He Kissed Me. Featuring three successive female lead singers, the public considered the lyrics a metaphor when He Hit Me was first released. However, in the 21st century, it's easy to see how this message can perpetuate excuses for domestic abuse. Carol King and Jeffrey Goffin wrote the song after their babysitter, Eva, revealed a relationship with an abusive boyfriend who had been beating her. When they asked her why she tolerated the abuse, she said it symbolized how much he loved her. This unhealthy and false narrative of he only hit me because he loves me or whatever else victims of domestic violence use to justify their situation is not something to be glorified. Catchy tune aside, the public misperceived this very creepy song. Weird. <laughs> weird, weird. I feel bad though because it's like the, maybe the housekeeper kind of confided in them and these bitches like flipped it and got paid off it, you know? Yeah. Weird. <laughs>
Number eight. You're 16, You're Beautiful, and You're Mine by Ringo Starr, 1973. After the Beatles officially broke up in 1970, the last album that John, Paul, George, and Ringo all worked on was Ringo's self-titled album in 1973. Among the tracks on that album was a rendition of You're 16. The song was written in 1960 by Robert and Richard Sherman and was initially sung by rockabilly star Johnny Burnett. It hit number 8 on the US charts and Ringo's version hit number 1. The lyrics tell a disturbing tale of pedophilia, and with the topic being so relevant in the news today, it takes on a real problem. Keep in mind the song explicitly calls out a girl who is 16 years old. The Shermans were both grown men when they wrote the song, and Burnett was 26 when he had a hit with it. While Ringo didn't write the song, the music video he made at 33 translates the song's message perfectly. It was indeed creepy. All these older guys like these little young girls back then. That's crazy. You'll see that it's a common thing in this list. You know, back then, maybe it wasn't a thing. Maybe... I don't know, you know how like in some other countries, like in Europe or whatever, being 16 is already being an adult. That's true. So maybe that's what they're, you know, relating to. I don't know. Or maybe the songwriter was from Europe. Well, I know that the Beatles are from the UK, so maybe yeah. that's normal over there. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Bunch of weirdos. But who knows? I mean, they were in California or were singing here? Probably in California. And I mean, it was broadcasted everywhere, so that is a bit weird. Bunch of weirdos. Yeah. And next on the list, number seven, Father Figure by George Michael. And this song's from 1987. This song is still probably to this day being played really loud in gay clubs. <laughs> it's true. Once again, a likely inappropriate age gap takes center stage. This time with one-time Wham! member, the late great George Michael. The song starts like a typical late 1980s pop love song, but quickly goes in a weird direction. Lyrics like, put your tiny hand in mine, don't mix well with bold and naked by your side. Michael was well known and highly regarded for his work, and his lyrics especially were some of the most popular in the 1980s. Nonetheless, this is another example of predatorial sexual practices being glorified through song. Michael came out as a member of the LGBTQ community after the song was released, but the music video portrayed heterosexual imagery. The singer-songwriter co-starred in the music video with a much younger woman. Gender aside, the significant age differences between the two potential lovers in the song's story reflects a disturbing look into modern society. I feel like a lot of like the sick and twisted stuff is portrayed in music so that there's like a hidden message in this stuff. Like, like it's okay? Like it's okay. It's kind of yeah. like brainwashing people who listen to this kind of music to thinking to that okay. this kind of lifestyle is okay. Then. Yeah, back yeah. then. Well, yeah. some of it now too, but it's more hidden now, I think. I don't think you really hear it on nowadays music. I think it's taking a different turn, like from this kind of 
creepy older man, younger mm-hmm. girl. I think it turned from that to mind control, Illuminati like symbols and like satanic music. Well, and now they actually blow it up in your face. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Talking about like I like it big, and the bigger it is, the older you are too, the better, and yeah. all these different things it's that sick. they really don't care. Maybe it's getting more blatant for sure. Yeah, but the yeah. messages and music is still there. Yeah. Well, now it's more louder, but now it's just more obvious than it was back then. Back then, they have to hide it, you know? Either way, it's creepy as shit. Yeah. Number six, Baby It's Cold Outside by Frank Lozer, 1944. I really can't stay. But baby, it's cold outside. Every year during the holidays, the classic tale of date rape invades airwaves all over the country. The song was written in 1944 by Frank Lozer, initially to sing with his then-wife, Lynn Garland, for a party at their home in New York City. For reasons unknown, no one seemed to be bothered by the male singer persistently pressuring the female singer to spend the night with him. The song has stood the test of time and has been recorded by countless performers. And every year people argue over the meaning of the lyrics. Are they offensive or are they misunderstood? In 2018, the singer's daughter Susan defended the song saying that the music must be considered in the context of the time it was written. She claims that the line, what's in this string, would not refer to any sort of date rape drug in the 1940s, and merely to the alcohol content. While many feel the song sends the wrong message, the fact is that the duet performed initially by the singer and his wife was a skit intended as entertainment, not social commentary. We play this song every year for Christmas time. Yeah, you hear it all the time, but I never really listened to the lyrics until you told me about it. Look out the window at the storm. Like if you listen, he, she's like, saying something and he's saying, no, don't worry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like kind of trying to convince her, yeah, you know? Giving like, reasons why, no, nah, stay here and get naked. Fucking pervy ass guy. And at number five, we have Love the Way You Lie by Rihanna and Eminem in 2010. Now, this one I don't think is really a creepy song. I just think it's hell of abusive. So I don't really know why it's on this list. It's a good song, though. This collaboration between rap legend Eminem and pop star Rihanna has become one of the most popular hit singles of the century. I can't tell you what it really is. I can only tell you what it feels like. And right now it's a steel knife in my windpipe. I can't breathe, but I still fight. There's no doubt about it. This song is about a very abusive relationship. While Love the Way You Lie is in fact an epic love song, the two lovers are holding on to a relationship that brings nothing but pain. The line, if she ever tries to fucking leave again, I'm tired to the bed and set this house on fire, may be the most brutally honest lyric depicting domestic violence, and it's being so common in the music industry. The song was based on the abusive relationship producer Alexa the Kid had with the music industry. However, the lyrics depict a physical relationship between a man and a woman and are incredibly hard-hitting. The music video also did a great job of portraying this. I remember when 
remember when this song came out. 2010? Seems like such a long time ago, but it wasn't. Mm-mm. Actually, to me, it sounds like it was like not too long ago. Yeah. But still, it was the longest time ago. The song was still, still stand up today, I think. Yeah. Like if it came out today and they started playing it. Oh, yeah. They'll be Number four, Hello by Lionel Richie, 1983. Lionel Richie was about as popular as pop stars got in the early 1980s. One of his biggest hits, Hello, is a creepy enough love song with lyrics like, I've been alone with you inside my head. Add in the music video and this song takes creepy to a new level. The video tells the story of a teacher that falls for his blind student and follows her around the school grounds. Ew! The video has him emotionally walking through the hallway singing I love you to a blind girl he has essentially not spoken to. Is it me you're looking for? I can see it in your eyes. Although you're blind. <laughs> I can see it in your smile. Although you can't see. This song isn't just about a stalker, it's clear he's madly in love with a younger girl he barely knows, but he's just creeping around, pronouncing his love from the dark. What makes it even worse is that the poor girl is blind and particularly vulnerable, being stalked by a teacher. While Richie has defended the video's story, saying that it demonstrates the character's ability to overcome her handicap, the creepy stalker angle of the video still leaves a bad taste in the public's mouth. I had no idea this was about a pervert. Or about a handicapped girl. Poor girl. Yeah, he's a pervert. He's a teacher. Yeah. And she's vulnerable. Being and he, blind. And don't he's know what's making going it on. seem like, oh no, you know, it's not nothing perverted. Yeah. Yeah, right, bitch. Meanwhile, he's watching a blind girl jerking his worm in the corner. Shame on you, Lionel Richie. Yeah, shame on you. Yeah, shame on you. My heart will overflow. Hello. Number three, we have Run For Your Life by The Beatles in 1965. Without a doubt, the most well-known and successful rock band of its time is The Beatles. Many of their song and album titles are household names, Abbey Road, Yellow Submarine, and many others are known to every generation alive. The band had dozens of hits over just eight years, but they also had some lesser-known songs. Each of their 12 albums had a few tracks that never got any traction. One of those is Run For Your Life from the Rubber Soul album. The singer is straight up homicidal. The lyrics include, well, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. A far cry from the band's typical, I want to hold your hand. It's no wonder this track is one of the group's least known songs. Credited to both John Lennon and Paul McCartney, the song was mainly just written by Lennon. Most likely, it was inspired by Lennon's recent divorce. So Jeez. he's basically saying that I don't want you with anyone else, I'll kill you. Bitter ass. Some Wait. people can't handle breakups. No. They make a full like. Well, that's why they end up killing it. the other person because they can't see him with someone else. That's true. Number 
Number two, Living Room by Tegan and Sarah, 2002. This bluegrass number has a happy beat and is sung in a chipper tone. Don't let that fool you, though this song is about neighbor stalking. The singer tells a friend they can't come out tonight because they're staying in to watch their depressed neighbor through the window. The singer spends her time fantasizing about being on top of their neighbor all day long and mentions that she won't be done early because the neighbor doesn't shower until 9pm. What the fuck? Revealing that she knows her prey schedule. That is fucking weird. The singer is then delighted when the friend suggests that they watch together using her binoculars. This song appears in every creepy lyric list on the internet for a good reason. The fucking weirdos. I know. Wait, is it two girls? Yeah, neighbors. And one other neighbor says, hey, use my binoculars. Fucking weirdo. How do you feel comfortable singing this kind of music? Mm-hmm. Well, I spend the evening watching you get yourself clean and I wonder why it is that they left this bathroom so Okay. And last but not least, we have number one, Used to Love Her by Guns N' Roses in 1988. This Guns N' Roses track doesn't waste time getting to the point. The song opens, okay, it's like it's bitching, fussing, cussing. I used to love her, but I had to kill her. Guns N' Roses was perhaps the biggest rock band of the 1980s. Lies was their second studio album, but it only had eight tracks. Most of those pieces have become less popular with mainstream listeners more than three decades later. With that said, this lesser known Guns N' Roses song is a murder confession. Why did the singer kill his wife? She bitched so much it drove him nuts. As far as we know, Axl Rose wrote this song as kind of a joke and homage to a dog of his that he had recently been forced to put to sleep. However, the song has been involved in two real-life murder cases, one in 2002 and another in 2012. Justin Barber, a Florida man, downloaded the song just before killing his wife. Thomas Michael Wilhelm allegedly sang the tune just before he shot 45-year-old Christine Murray, a former girlfriend, in 2012. Authorities say 11 minutes before the shooting, Wilhelm sent a text message to a friend saying that he was listening to Used to Love Her. Wow, creepy. That's crazy. See, this is creepy on a different level. Yeah. This is like... That's like encouraging yeah, them to... Yeah, that's exactly the word kill. I was looking for. Oh my goodness. We all have had some good and bad experiences while out and about, whether at a restaurant or out shopping. The Get It Together segment is our visit to Yelp. We found some reviews that were left by people that feel these places need to get it together, get it together. starting with. Well, I got hot shoplifting here, I took a large container of hot soup and placed it in my backpack. It immediately spilled all over my stuff. I then tried to add a whole chicken and macaroni salad and the man saw me. I was then taken to the office and told not to come back. They wouldn't even let me use the bathroom to clean out my bag. How rude. We was hungry. This was a review from the Walmart. I'll keep the customer's name private because I don't want to burn them out. Wow, Walmart, get it together. together. You could have at least let her use the bathroom to clean her bag out. She still gave the Walmart three stars. Might have been some really good soup. Next, we have a bagel mix-up. The rating was titled Trainwreck. No greeting, no eye contact, no thanks. I asked for a mini bagel that was stacked in a container on the counter. It was inedible. When I complained to the cashier, she informed me that I asked for a dog bagel. 
When I pointed out that there is no label on the container whatsoever, or nothing that indicates that this is made for canine consumption, she just said that she thought I had bought it for my dog. Damn it, did you see me come here with the dog? These people are idiots, selling bagels can't be that hard. Even though I think this one can go either way, Einstein bagels, get it together. together. Just for the simple fact that the bagels had no label, you somehow gotta let the customer know what they're purchasing. This was a one star review. On the next one, I'm gonna say the name of this Yelp reviewer because of how much of a pain in the ass he is. Okay, Swaggy F, it's your time to shine. He says, If I could give this zero stars, I would. Where is my chicken tenders? I have been going here for years and deserve a lot of respect. How dare you? The staff was very nice to me, showing me the true respect I deserve. I have been bullied my whole life, and it's nice to have people who actually care for me for once in my life. My mother disowned me, and my father is a traitor. The steak was decent, I guess. 10 out of 10. Except for the chicken. R.I.P. Chicken Tender, you were a real friend and helped me through my lonely life. Never coming here again. From John. This is a review for the Hillstone restaurant. How could you not give this guy his nuggets? Can't you see he's been through enough? Hillstone restaurant, get it together. Get it together. Get it together. Your one star was well deserved. The next review says, Just left their location and I left pretty pissed off. They did not have rib tips. And when I told them my 80 year old mom had trouble eating the ribs, an older lady began to question the story. How dare she? Her time in hell will come. Try somewhere else. Baby back's good grill, get it together. Get it together. You gotta have some rib tips for the older people. I can't believe it. And the older lady that questioned this person's story, mind your damn business. <laughs> Baby Pack's Good Grill also earned themselves a one-star rating for this one. This person even provoked the wrath of God on the older lady. <laughs> Be careful out there. People are going crazy. Next, we have another anonymous reviewer that states, My friend's leg is hurting now. She pinched a nerve because your toilet seat caused damage to her leg nerve, causing it to go numb. You need to get a flatter toilet seat, otherwise, never returning back to your restaurant ever again unless you change the seat. The toilets need to be lower. That's why the toilet seat caused problem. It's hard to go to the bathroom on a hard seat. It's like sitting on a tree branch. My friend has a painful burning in her legs because of the toilet seat. Please get a U-shaped flat toilet seat. The toilet seat is round like a pipe. It hurts the nerve in people's legs. Needless to say, this establishment got a one-star review. Happy's Pizza, get it, together. get it together. People's legs are going numb and no one wants to sit on a tree branch while taking a dump. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the Get It Together segment. We'll definitely be bringing this one back. And now... It's time for the What It what Is it? segment, everybody's favorite. All right, today we got suspected burglar found sweeping inside a Nashville home. In Nashville, Tennessee, a 36-year-old man has been taken into custody after police say he was found sweeping inside a home he allegedly broke into over the weekend. On Sunday, April 30th, officers were dispatched to a burglary at a home. Metro Police reported that a woman told officers that she arrived at her home, opened the front door, and saw a man standing in the kitchen sweeping up glass. According to the arrest warrant, when officers arrived on scene, they found the man standing in the back of the home next to a window that appeared to be broken. Despite commands to stop, the man allegedly re-entered the home through the back door. He was later arrested and taken into custody. Court records state that the man told officers he had just been released from a nearby hospital and was looking for a place to go, despite not having permission to be there. The man was taken into custody and charged with felony aggravated burglar, but at least he cleaned up. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. He was nice enough to clean up his broken glass. Yeah, a little bit of manners on him. <laughs> Pretty good. 
I was gonna say that he probably came out of the hospital and was like drugged up or something. You know how some people are like out still drugged up, yeah, yeah, out of it, and they just kick him out. It could have been a cuckoo hospital too. That too, yeah. They didn't specify what type of hospital. Yeah, but. I think if anyone was to ever break into our home, I would be happy if he swept. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you broke a glass and they're like digging around or whatever and they left the house a mess. The window's still broken, though. But it's cleaned up. It's something we don't have to do. I you know guess. what I mean? Because cleaning up glass is kind of difficult. <laughs> if anyone's cleaning up glass, be careful out there. You don't cut your finger. <laughs> That's why you wear shoes in the house. It like could me. be dangerous. <laughs> Remember that one time? I know. That's true. Mm-hmm. All right. That does it for another fantastic episode of the Life Tastic Podcast with Chris and Stephanie. Thank you all for tuning in. Once again, reach out to us anytime at livetastic.us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're not yet following us, then what you waiting for? Thank you guys all for listening. We hope to see you guys back next week. Much love, and we'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. See ya. See ya. Hello. Hello. <laughs>